God. Praise God. My. I see some American brothers and sisters sitting in our midst this morning. Praise God. Brother Doug up there, Sister Karen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wonderful to see the body of Christ gathering, body of believers, the local body gathering together one more time. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we sing nothing but the blood of Jesus? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my Sing that little chorus. With my hands lifted up and my mouth filled with praise, I will bless thee, O Lord. Amen. Are you thankful for the blood? There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Let's sing this chorus together. With my hands lifted up and my mouth. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our hope lays in you, Lord. You are our anchor. You are our stay, O oh God. You are the rock, Lord, that we stand upon, O oh God. That we're anchored in, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for working in our lives, Lord. For lifting us up, Father. For pulling us up, Lord, out of the miry clay, O oh God. Out of this generation, Lord. And calling us unto yourself, O oh God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Can you just play in the presence of Jehovah? We have a testimony here written in from uh, Sister Ping. That's uh, Sister Tracy's mother. Um, she would like to give God the glory. She was troubled with uh, vertigo for a long time. She went up for prayer a few weeks ago, and the vertigo has completely disappeared. And we want to give God praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are the healer of all of our afflictions and all of our diseases, O oh God. And we will not forget your benefits, O oh God. But we give you thanks, Father, for you are worthy, O oh Lord. Your blood never loses its power, O oh God. The stripes on your back are still the same today for us, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, O oh God. And everybody, everyone that has a need here this morning, the Lord Jesus knows your every need. In the presence of Jehovah. In the presence of our great Jehovah. Let's just sing that together as our brothers come. We'll take up the offering after prayer. In the presence
Let us pray. Lord God of heavens, we thank you for your mercies and grace, Lord, and your love. Lord God, there was a time your servant David came back from battle. And when he reached home, Lord, at Ziklag, it was all in disarray, Lord. And the enemy had done quite a lot of damage, Lord. And the people pointed at him and they took stones, Lord, to stone him. And Lord, maybe they were right because there was a lot of wrong that David might have done. But Lord, he, he looked up to you, Lord, and the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. And Lord, he, he sought you and asked, Lord, should I go after what the enemy had taken? He had a, a way that he could reach to you, and you had a way that you could respond to him, Lord. Oh God, and you told him to go. And he could have looked around and maybe lost hope, but his hope was in you, Lord. And he took that and went after that which the enemy had, had got, and Lord, he got it all back. Lord, as we come to you, we are asking that, Lord, you'll give us a channel to reach you, Lord. Give us a way that we can talk to you and a way that we can hear from you, dear God. There's so much around us that the sins we've committed, that the memories that we have, that the wrong things we've done that sometimes come and cloud our minds, Lord. But Lord, give us that channel, dear God. As your word will be coming this morning, just that channel we are asking, Lord. That a place that Lord will reach out to you. And when we listen in, Lord, may we get the answer, dear Father. Because without that, we are hopeless, Lord. So we pray, Lord, if there's a need, and no doubt there are so many needs, Father. Oh, Lord, calm down, Lord, in mercy and grace and love, dear God. May the love of God, the love of God just come down, Lord. Oh, God. The Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins, Lord. May our sins be cleansed, washed, dear God. As your word will be going forth, may we feel refreshed, cleansed, washed, and may we come to your presence and hear from you, dear God. Grant it, Heavenly Father. We thank you, we bless you, Lord. We thank you for the offerings that will be taken, Lord. May it be used for the glory of your name. Bless the minister, inspire him, strengthen him, Lord. And our eyes are now on you, Lord. Give us the victory that you gave your servant David in Ziklag, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have your seats this morning as they take up the offering. I just want to welcome each and every one of you and our visitors amongst us. God will bless each and every one. 
We've got a baby dedication this morning, and Brother Tim will be speaking to us after, and a baptism following the message, so we've got a full day, but we have all day. Amen. Uh, We'll just sing a song, Um, I Have an Anchor in My Life, Holding to the Solid Rock. It's number... Yeah, up there. I have an anchor in my life just love to dwell in his presence and 
under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Praise God. We're going to ask the uh, brother and sister Roy to come with their little one and we're going to have a baby dedication. Let's sing, All My Life You Have Been Faithful, All My Life You've Been So Good. You have been faithful. see you standing here with three dar- darling daughters. It's amazing. As Brother Biscoe would say, if you have three girls, you're a real man. <laughs> so Brother David, you're a real man. Amen. Sister Kathy, nice to see you there. God bless you. And of course, the buttons are popping up top on the balcony. Sister Emily, Brother Serge, God bless you. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to know that your children are serving God. And then the grandchildren are being dedicated to the Lord. And Brother David and Sister uh, Naomi, they're very special in my heart because it goes we go back a long, long way. And uh, we won't get into that because it's the baby dedication. Today, uh, Sister Emma, Grace, Danielle, Roy. Did I get that all right? All right. That's a three-name handle. And uh, we're happy and happy for you that God has given you healthy children. It's a blessing. Emma means all-encompassing, whole, and complete. So I'm going to read a scripture, of course, to deal with that name, Brother David, Sister Naomi. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and 6, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk ye in him, rooted, build it up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, and traditions of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead. And Paul goes on to say to the church of the Colossians, And you are complete in him. Emma, meaning complete. Complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Emma. If you took a look at the stronger, it just keeps on unfolding. You girls, you got to treat her really well. Okay? Because it means Emma is strong. Visionary. Adventurous. Freedom-loving, spiritual, 
My goodness. Energetic? Have we found out that she's energetic? Curious and a magnet. We look at all those definitions. And then Brother Branham, a prophet, comes on the scene and he says, now this is, this is where we're going to just funnel right down to this baby dedication. Hallelujah. We've been looking through a glass darkly. But soon it will be face to face and we'll see him in all his glory. We'll be like him. Wondrously like Jesus, our Savior, divine. Isn't that wonderful? We are all complete in him. Little Emma, Grace, Danielle, Roy. Grace, that's the quality of kindness. Danielle, God is my judge. These are tremendous names. And may God come behind them and confirm them within her life. Amen. I did look at this, the prophet, oh, he did. He said he, he called all the brothers up and he says, let's all lay hands on the child. So I know that this is an order. Amen, sweetheart. What a wonderful thing this is, Lord. See a young man standing here in his strength. Just right. Naomi and the beauty of holiness. And around them you've given them gifts. And now we're dedicating Sister Emma to you this morning. A little darling. The gift of God. One Lord that you've given into the home of the Roy's. Father, I pray she'll be a blessing, a strength in her life. We've read the meanings, Lord. She's complete. And may she find her way to Christ, that she can say, I am indeed complete in Jesus Christ. Bless Brother David. Give him wisdom for this child, Lord, Sister Naomi. Grandparents are here. Auntie's here. Pray, Lord God, as they will pray, I'm sure, often for Emma. May this child be protected. May she experience health throughout her life. And may the grace of God ever rest upon her soul. We commit her to you and dedicate her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To you we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And energetic. Amen. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so
Tim this morning. Just want to wish you a very happy birthday. sing that over and over and over you have been so faithful Lord so good to us Father so taking care of us many times Lord when we didn't know how to take care of ourselves you took care of us Many times when we didn't know how to serve you, you watched over us. Lord, when we went the wrong way, you pulled us back on the right way. Lord, when we were sick, you healed us. When we were down, you lifted us up. When we were distraught, you gave us peace. You've been so faithful, Lord. You know our hearts this morning. We thank you for friends. We thank you for the body of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your blessings, Lord. You, there's no one like you, Lord. I can't even hardly say it. You know, Lord, that as we stand in your presence this morning, it's not about me or a birthday or something like that, Lord. It's about you and your redemptive purpose and Lord, your calling. Not just of any minister, but of every individual, Lord. Names written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Predestinated eternal thoughts that you had in your mind that are manifested in this hour. That you knew were predestinated to come in flesh in this last day. And Lord, you provided everything that we have need of. And we have come here this morning that you might quicken us to that provision. Lord, if somebody be in need, Lord, may you come by their way this morning. Lord, may you pour in faith. May you give revelation. May you provide abundant inspiration, Lord. 
For, Lord, you are our strength, O God. You're everything that we have need of. And so as you move in our midst, whether it be here, whether it be on the Internet, wherever it might be, Father, may you just take this service, take this vessel as inadequate as it may be. Yet, Lord, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we give ourselves to you and pray that you'll just now anoint the service for a supernatural purpose. That you might be glorified in the midst of your people once more. We give it to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 61. While you're standing, I want to say thank you, Brother Nathan, for the well wishes. Yes, it is my birthday today. There is certain milestones in life. Thank you, musicians. There are certain milestones in life that make you realize if the Lord tarries here, we have no continuing city. But we seek one whose builder and maker is God. Amen. And the older we get, we realize the younger we were. And we ain't there no more. But praise God, we press on. Amen, Brother Henry. We press on. We're looking for that great reward one day. We're looking to a time, and I don't think there'll be any more birthday parties. Praise the Lord. There'll be no more being put on the spot and asked how old you are or how old did you turn or all those kind of things. It'll just be one eternal blessed today in the, in the great land over yonder. And we are looking, have our faces set towards that great promise. So thank you everyone for your well wishes and we just want to uh, focus on the Lord this morning and also in a little bit on what God is doing in Uganda. But I want to go right to the word because I want to give the word the preeminent place. And, uh, you know, I realize it's all the word. A testimony is the word in that it's the manifestation of the word. But uh, nevertheless, let's just look into the scriptures of Isaiah chapter 61. It's been on my mind very much uh, lately. And uh, just been meditating on these things. I've touched on it in services gone by. This is the scripture that Jesus picks up when he's handed the scroll in the synagogue. And, and after he reads the scripture, uh, then he sits down. And it's hard to believe, Brother Branham says, with all that anointing on him that he could sit down. But he did. And uh, the Bible says, precious words proceeded from his mouth. And uh, so let's just read it and uh, we'll just comment as, as we read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And when I, when I read this, we're reading scripture. Isaiah's in the spirit prophesying it as brother Michael preached. He's a seer looking into the supernatural and, and he's, he's caught up in the spirit or we could say the spirit is speaking through him, but that spirit, which is speaking through him dwelled in its fullness in Jesus Christ. And as he stood in the synagogue to read and he took the book He's not just reading now. He's expressing, this is me. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. All right. And so he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he, of course, stopped there. And gave back the scroll to 
him that gave it to him. And so he, he was declaring the portion of Scripture for that day. But we're going to read further because we've come to the fulfillment of the rest of the Scripture. And it says, And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Now hold your Bibles there. I'll, I'll refer back to this scripture in just a little portion. But as, he, as the Bible says in verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is what Jesus was doing. But then it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. So the proclamation is not just the acceptable year of the Lord. The proclamation is the day of vengeance of our God. And so if I could say this morning, we are here to proclaim we are in this day. We, this is a proclamation. It's not just uh, uh, something that there's going to be. We're here now. And I, feel, I say, well, I thought the vengeance of God was the tribulation, or I thought the vengeance of God was, was the battle of Armageddon, or I thought it was this, or I thought it was that. That is all pieces of it, but after the opening of the seals, we have been ushered into the end time. And end time events that begin to unfold in many ways and, and through the channels that God has chosen. And it all together is called the day of vengeance of our God. So this is not hyperbole. This is a prophet that that is looking into a realm and expressing the ether, eternal thoughts of God that will be manifested at a particular time. And that time is this time. That's just like Jesus said... In that day, you'll know that I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, and you in me. Is that right? So there will be a day, and we're used to, as, as I guess we could say Laodiceans, we're used to thinking of a day as, as counting as 24 hours. That's a day. But when the Bible declares a day, it's, it's declaring a season. Or it's declaring, you could say, a change of administration or a change of the move of God or a change. You've moved from uh, the day of the Gentiles. It's coming now and it's going to be back to the day of the Jews. And it's going to, uh, you know, the time of the Gentiles, the time of the Jews. You could refer to it in the same way. And so there, there is a season that the earth has been ushered into. I dwelt on that in Uganda somewhat. And I know I've spoken on here. God changes his anointings. And it's the anointing that changes the day. And when God changed from a man anointing to an eagle anointing in the opening of the seals, that changed the day. And when that anointing of the eagle in the last days begins to usher in the end time events, and we are partakers of a day, you didn't choose the day you live in. You were put here in this day. You were put here for this time. You might say, you might say oh, I wish I lived in the day of Jesus. Or I wish I lived in the day of Luther, or I wish I lived in the day of Wesley, depending how your, your, your uh, thoughts are and your makeup is. But you have not been chosen for that day, you've been chosen for this day. 
and you're living in the day of the vengeance of God, it cannot be avoided. We're here. It's now. And the unfolding of end time events is happening right around us. I don't look to individual events as declaring it. I don't look for, oh, you might say a woman president. Or I don't look for, you know, uh, a certain uh, uh, thing to happen, a certain event that was talked about or a certain something in Israel or a certain something. No, what brought me to the reality of the day we're living in is the opening of the word. You've been ushered into the reality of the day because of the opening of the Word. And if you're not in the opening of the Word, you really don't understand what day you're living in. Because the Word came to show you your day. That's why Brother Branham preached in recognizing your day and its message that you have to recognize the message for this day. And there were those, he described, that were were desiring some kind of a revival or some kind of a thing. With uh, and, uh, and we've talked about it lately, fast pray, fast pray. Brother Branham says, being Christians, they feel the pull of the hour, but they don't recognize what God has already done. They have not recognized the awakening of the bride of Jesus Christ. All right. So if there's an awakening of the bride, then that's the fulfillment of scripture that says, behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. There's a message and the foolish virgin wake up and the wise virgin wake up. Is that right? All right. So the, the scripture all around us is being fulfilled. Uh, the events of it are being fulfilled. I don't look at this. I don't look at that. I don't look at what denomination is doing. I don't look at something else. My eyes have become open by the word of God. Praise be to God. I trust you. I can identify with me on that. Now, having said that, we can say then that the wheels of God, which have turned slowly over the ages, have finally come to a place where, we, where I'll say the gears have clicked into place and God is fulfilling his word that he never fulfilled or ordained till this time. All right. So God is fulfilling his word. Promises of blessing upon the elect. And promises of destruction upon the disobedient. Alright? Those are all things now. You can't stop it. It's fallen into place. You could say the levers have clicked into place. You're not going to stop what's happening in this hour. You cannot, uh, uh, you cannot hesitate. You cannot, uh, it's not a good time to be undecided. But rather it's a time to be fully decided. And say, Lord, I'm fully persuaded. You have opened my eyes. You have shown me you've sent a message. I may not understand it all. I may not even be where I ought to be. But I know I'm not where I used to be. And I'm pressing towards where I want to be. Amen. And so there, it's a reality to us and we have been stirred and quickened and individually uh, inspired by the revelation of God in our day and brought to a reality of a relationship with God. Now, the message of the hour is not to glorify the bride. 
the message of the hour is not to glorify her ability. It's not to glorify her talent. The message of the hour is to glorify the Lord. And so we read at the end of verse 3, it says, All of these things are happening to that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Amen? So it's not you or me that's being glorified here, even though I guess we could take the Romans 8, He's already glorified us. But, you know, the object of what God's doing in this hour, the object of the message, the object of what He's pouring out upon your life is to glorify Him because we came from the filth of the world that is just like the children of disobedience that are walking in the world right now. Only a few of you recognize that? We came out of that mess. Amen. We came out of that filth. We came out of there. We were called out. And, and, and I'll say, even if you're raised in the message, when, and you need to thank God for the influence of godly parents and the influence of, uh, of a godly home and, and, and just to hear the word of God in your home, there's many children that are being raised today that have never heard the name of Jesus. There's many homes where, where parents doubt that there's even a God. And they, and they just raise their children as fools in this world because it's the fool that has said in his heart there is no God. And they, they, they have no idea the, the consequences of what they're doing. But if you're raised in a message home, you ought to thank God. You ought to just say, I thank God. You know what? Your parents aren't perfect. I didn't get many amens. I got some mm-hmm's. <laughs> Your father's not perfect. Your mother's not perfect. Children, young people, I hate to tell you that, but you should thank God for them every day. Thank God if they, if they're, if they led you into this message. If they raised you in the way you ought to go. You should thank God. You know, if I, I see our... Our, our Deepak family here from India. I believe your parents, Brother Deepak, are, are believers. Amen. Goes back a long ways. You thank God. I'm sure you do. I thank God that I wasn't out there wandering in wilderness. I was. Even though my mother was healed in Brother Brano's meetings. I hope this is okay this morning. My mother was healed. My, father, my grandfather was healed in Brother Brano's meetings. I never heard the name William Branham. Didn't know anything about this message. Wandered the streets of New Westminster. Drove through New West yesterday. There's actually a lot of places yesterday that I drove around to. My family decided to take me on a, t- a tour of Vancouver for my birthday. So uh, it was interesting trip down memory lane. And so, uh, uh, but I, I wandered those streets. Well, I didn't really wander them. But I walked down the streets of New West wondering, where is God? I was raised in a religious home, a Pentecostal home. Believed there was a God, experienced that there was a God, seen some God do some supernatural things. But when I became of age, about 18, 19 years old, I was thinking, but where is he? And where is the truth? And where is all these things? But one day it came by my way. Because there, that, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was a predestinated seed that was calling for the deep to respond. There was a deep calling, and I didn't understand it as that way, but one day the deep responded, and the message came by my way, and God quickened me and brought the reality of His Word to me. 
But the Bible says in Ephesians 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And Brother Branham says it's because of disobedience that his vengeance is poured out. He says, Among whom we all, all among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath or vengeance. We were by nature the children upon whom God's wrath would be poured out. And it's talking about a nature that we were born in because we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We come into the world speaking lies. It's not talking about predestination. It's talking about the nature we were born with. An unbelieving nature. We were by nature as worthy of wrath as the rest of the world. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. Hallelujah. I love that scripture. We were worthy of wrath, but God. Not we were worthy of wrath, but I found it. Or we were worthy of wrath, but I figured it out. That's not what it is. We were worthy of wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved you. He allowed you to come into contact with his truth. The way, the channel which he chose you to be in. I might not have come your way. And you not might not have come my way. But God has chosen you to be here today. And he knew you'd be sitting here this morning. And he knew you'd be hearing his word. And he sees down into your heart and he recognizes that I put that seed in there. I put that calling in there. It's not you of yourself. By your own self, by your own nature, you are worthy of vengeance in the day of vengeance. But because there's a predestinated seed, our God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, has chosen us to be lifted up above the things of the world in this hour. Hallelujah. He has chosen us to be raised up. To be lifted into heavenly places. To walk in around the world knows nothing about. Hallelujah. God chose you. And we have nothing to present to him in our own selves. We have only a claim on the blood of Jesus Christ. He so loved me that he gave himself for me. That I might believe in him and have eternal life. Hallelujah. You know, God's speaking about even Israel and who Israel was and all of those things and where they come from in Ezekiel chapter 16 is very much a type of the bride. And he says, When I passed by you and looked upon you, behold, thy time was the time of love, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Now listen. If he's saying, I covered your nakedness, that means you had nothing. It's not just speaking about some kind of uh, lack of clothes. No, he's saying you had nothing and I covered you. You had nothing and I entered into a covenant with you. 
You had nothing to offer in this covenant, but I chose you. I say, I kept saying to the, to the people in the Uganda, just about every service, God chose you. How many believe God chose you? Amen. Amen. Only about half of you. The rest of you? Well, I'm not, not sure who you are. How many believe God chose you? They responded a lot better over there. They say, did God choose you? They go, yeah, God chose me. I said, does God make mistakes? God doesn't make mistakes, so God chose you. Amen. Amen. He didn't make a mistake when he chose you. He made the right choosing. He didn't make a mistake when he brought his word by your way. He knew you'd respond to it. You might say, well, I, I don't respond like the next one. You don't have to respond like the next one. You respond the way God made you. You come to him the way he made you. God is a God of the individual. God's a God of variety. God does not have a cookie cutter experience. That's where every denomination has gone wrong. Is trying to turn the quickening of God into some kind of an evidence of the Holy Ghost. Well, if you didn't get it this way, you didn't get it. Or if you didn't get it that way, you didn't get it. I'll tell you what, when God quickens you, you know. It's a question of life. And you know what you were, you are no more. So that the things that are in the past, you can lay those behind you. And you can say, I have no part in those things. Sin confessed in the blood of Jesus Christ goes back on the head of Satan where it came from. And I stand spotless in his sight, not because I brought anything to the equation. But because he chose me and he picked me up when I was naked and I had nothing. And therefore I stand in his presence clothed in his garment alone. His garment. That he might be glorified. Hallelujah. He said, he goes on to talk about it in Ezekiel. He says, I washed you with water. I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee. I anointed thee with oil. And then I'll skip down a little. He says, And thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty. And I love this next statement. And it was perfect through my comeliness, he says. You want to know where your beauty is? It's in his comeliness. Your beauty is in him. It's not in you. It's not, well, you know, I went through some trials and I went through some experiences and I learned some things and, you know, I, I stand now mature and I stand full of, of full character in this age. No, 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 no. If there's any good thing in you, it's his comeliness. It's what he has done for you. He says, it, for it was perfect through my comeliness, which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord. All right, so he says here in Isaiah, he says, the day of vengeance, he says, to comfort all that mourn. I want to just look briefly at this next, uh, these next phrases. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. All right, now we see several things here. Number one, to appoint which is to provide or to grant to them that mourn in Zion. Zion is always a type of the bride. The Jerusalem, the bride specifically in the Old, in Old Testament is called the daughters of Zion. All right? And so the Brother Bram said that's a type of the bride. You have to watch the daughters of because it's very important. You know, Abraham 
said to Eliezer, Don't take a wife from the daughters of Canaan for my son Isaac. Jacob said it, or uh, uh, Isaac said it for Jacob as well. Don't take a daughter from the daughters of Canaan. You know, you watch who you associate with. You are the daughters of Zion. Zion being Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem being the bride of Jesus Christ coming down from God out of heaven in Revelation chapter 21, adorned as a bride for her husband. Isn't that right? And so we see now that the, that this Zion or the new Jerusalem or specifically the bride of Jesus Christ has to them appointed some things here. All right. So there's a people who were mourning, but have come to a position have come to a time. And God has chosen you in the day of vengeance to receive some things. Are you with me? Okay. Now, now these things that you are going to receive, and I'll get to them in a moment, but they're going to replace some things that you currently have. And he says now, he says, you're going to receive beauty for ashes to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Okay, so these things are going to come as replacements to ashes, to mourning, and to heaviness. It's not just going to be with the wave of a hand. God's not going to take away your ashes, which refer themselves to mourning or, or humility. And uh, uh, he's not just going to say, okay, no more mourning and no more heaviness. But rather, he says, I'm going to give something to you. I'm going to grant it to you so that it replaces these things. You're going to receive beauty. You're going to receive oil. And you're going to receive a garment. Okay? You're going to receive a garment. Now... I'll dwell mostly on the garment this morning because that's about how much time we have. But mourning is something that is specifically in the Old Testament. Well, it's in many places, but specifically it's tied to the Day of Atonement in Israel. They had many feasts that they would go through, like the Feast of Tabernacles is the last one. It's the the Feast of Rejoicing. But there was a feast which calls, was called the Day of Atonement in which they would gather together and weep and lament over the sins of the people. And that's when the sacrifice would be offered for the sins of the people and they were to come together and mourn over the sins of the nation under the Day of Atonement and recognizing uh, the sacrifice that is made to cover their sins. Now, Brother Branham types that to the seventh trumpet, or, or connects it rather to the seventh trumpet, and he says, the seventh trumpet, you know, calls Israel to the Feast of Atonement. And the Feast of Atonement to Israel in the natural was to recognize the atonement. But the seventh trumpet in the spiritual to Israel was to bring them to a recognition of the true atonement. Okay? In that the true atonement is Jesus Christ. And the true atonement was rejected by Israel 
but it had a purpose of rejection in that their eyes were blinded so that your eyes could see. Amen? As Gentiles, there had to be a calling of a Gentile bride, but God doesn't deal with the Jews and the Gentiles at the same time. So rather, he has to blind the Jews. And what does he blind them to? He blinds them to their own atonement. So that the reality of the atonement could come to the Gentiles or to you. Okay? And now, the reality of the atonement is all that Jesus did for you at Calvary. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Amen. That's the atonement. And so that atonement comes to the Gentiles because of the blinding of the Jews. Now it doesn't change the atonement. All right. I want you to realize something here. Sometimes we say, this happens and that happens and this. No, it doesn't change the atonement. The atonement was made. One sacrifice for all sin. Past, present, future. There's no more sacrifice to be made. Amen. There's no more work to be done. There's no more price to be paid. It's not the atonement and your repentance. No, you repent when you recognize the atonement. You repent when you recognize your own guilt. But it isn't your repentance that takes away your sin. It's the atonement that takes away your sin. Amen. But you, by faith, recognize the atonement and receive the benefit of the atonement by faith. So in that atonement is every benefit that you will ever receive. And so the reality is that we need to recognize, or I'll say it this way, we need the Holy Spirit to quicken to us what the reality of the atonement means to us personally. That's always been the question down through the ages. That was Martin Luther's question. Well, what do I need uh, indulgences? And do I need this? And do I need that? All of these things in addition to the atonement. And then God reveals to him, no, the just shall live by faith. Faith in the finished work of God. And so Luther, by that revelation, started the entire Reformation, realizing that all of these things that have been added to the atonement are meaningless. That everything he had need of was already in the atonement. But that had to come by revelation from God, just like to you and I individually. God pours his revelation in that everything you have need of is already paid for at Calvary in the atonement. I need to say it again. Everything that you have need of. Everything you have need of. There's not something that you can say, oh, well, you know, I need God to do something for me. No, he's already done it. It's already finished. But you just need a revelation from God to show you the price was already paid. So Luther had a revelation, the just shall live by faith. But Wesley got more revelation of the atonement. That that atonement also provides sanctification to live a clean life before God. To live a life subject to the things of the world. Pentecost received a further revelation that that atonement provided gifts of the Spirit. Is that right? It was already laying there in the Word. Brother Bram says in one place those gifts were always in the church. They just recognized it. 
They were always in the church down through the ages. The atonement had already put them in the church. But now God pours in a revelation. And so it is in this hour when the seventh seal becomes open. And it is open. When the seventh seal becomes open. Then it provides a revelation of more of what lays in the atonement. It's already there. What do you have need of? It's in the atonement. You need to know who you are. It's in the atonement. You need to go back to what Adam and Eve had in the beginning. It's in the atonement. Whatever you have need of, it's laying there in the atonement. But it takes the revelation of the word to bring it to you personally. Service after service. I'll talk about it in a moment. But I was talking to the ministers, young ministers in this message. A couple hundred of them. Uh, that have recently embraced the message of the hour. And it was only a couple hundred because that was the limit of the size of the gathering we could have because of COVID. We're limited to 200 people. Brother Fred was telling me that, you know, if, if, you, if we had more room, we'd probably have 500 ministers here. All new to the message within the last couple of years. And I was telling these brothers, and I, and I said, now I'm going to be real straight with you. As ministers. I says you're, you're sitting in this meeting. Because this message has grabbed your attention. And I'm going to talk to you about this end time message. And the things that lay here. And the importance I said of the revelation of the word of God to your people. I said the revelation of the word is more important than any miracle your people will experience. I said, now we believe in miracles. We serve a supernatural God. I've seen miracles. You've seen miracles. Amen. We've, we've seen miracles. We thank God for every miracle. And I would to God, if you need a miracle this morning, that he gives you a miracle. All right. But Israel, as a people, saw more miracles than anybody had ever seen. I'm just telling the ministers this. And I know they had never heard it said this way before, though you people have. And I said, you know, Israel, they saw the plagues. They saw the water turn to blood. It might not have been upon them, but they saw it in Egypt and the effect of it. They saw the plagues of the frogs and the plagues of the flies and the plagues of the lice and the light turned to darkness and the, and the, and the, the, the moraine upon the cattle. And, and they even saw the death angel go through the land. And that did go right through their midst if they weren't under the token. And I said they came out under the mighty hand of God and they, and they, they saw the waters of the Red Sea part. I said, they walked through on dry ground and then they saw the waters destroy the armies of the Egyptians. They rejoiced in those things and they, they ran out of water and they drank water from the rock. Anybody ever drank water from a rock? Not me. But they drank water from a rock and they ate manna from heaven when they ran out of food. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. None of these things wore out in their, in their lives. They saw the pillar of fire at night. They saw the pillar of cloud in the day. They saw all these things. And then I, 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 as Brother Tim is, a, is apt to do and take somebody out on a limb, then I cut the limb off. I says, then how many of them went into the promised land? Out of two million, only two. Why? Because Paul said in the book of Hebrews, because the word was not mixed with faith in them that heard it wasn't miracle after miracle after miracle. It was the revelation of the word that they were missing. 
And then I took them through Ephesians 4 and what the purpose of the ministry is. And, I, and, and to sum it up, all up, I say, if you're a minister and you're quickened by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says your gift is for the edifying or the building up the body of Christ. So I will say a predestinated seed anointed by the Holy Spirit can never tear down the body of Jesus Christ. He can only build up the body of Jesus Christ. That's what the ordained gift is to do. And I says, if you take, get your people and, and, and you, though you have miracle after miracle after miracle in your church, I says, if you fail to bring them the word of God so that God can pour the revelation of his word down in their heart and quicken them to who you, who they are, I says, you will have failed in your job. I says, I don't care if you have thousands of miracles. If they don't get the revelation of the word, you're a failure. And then it went silent. I said, didn't they say, didn't Jesus said, many will come to me in that day. And say, not have we not done mighty works in your name? Have we not cast out devils? Have we not done this? And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. So the greatest thing that you can get today is the revelation of the word. The revelation to show you it's already paid for in the atonement. Amen. Hallelujah. May you all experience a miracle. That's wonderful. May God give you every miracle you need. I believe in miracles. I've seen miracles. I want miracles. I love to experience miracles. But if I miss the revelation of the word, I have missed the purpose of God for my life. Is this okay? Even if it's not okay, it's true. Okay or not, it's still the truth. So Brother Adam said the seventh trumpet to Israel is the seventh seal to the Gentiles. It, they parallel. It means it does the same thing. It points them back to the atonement. All right, so Israel had a day of an atonement that they would have in the feast days. But the day of atonement for them now that they're looking for is in the tribulation time. When they will weep and lament and say, where did you get those scars? And he'll say, I got them in the house of my friends. They'll realize by the witness of the two prophets that they're the ones that crucified their own atonement, Jesus Christ. And that is where they'll come to the realization of what the atonement means for them. And so in the opening of the word, God brings the realization. That's what this message is about. To bring you the realization of what Calvary's done for you. The Baptist can't give you the full realization of what Calvary did for you. The Methodists can't give you that. Any other church can't give you that, and it's not about a church. Only one thing can give it to you, and that's the message of God for your day. When Martin Luther preached, the just shall live by faith. He spoke to many Catholics, some of whom stayed with the Catholic Church. And, and they could argue with him and say, are you telling me that everybody in the Catholic Church is lost? And he would have to say, that's not my opinion. That's not my, I'm not the judge. But I can tell you one thing, everybody who believes what I'm preaching is saved. Hallelujah. Is that too straight for you? All right. 
weeping and lamenting. I'll give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, there was a time that Joseph, in his type of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he was, he had to tell his brothers as they were, as they recognized who he was, which was a type of the last day of atonement for Israel. When Israel recognizes who Jesus is, when Joseph's brothers recognized who Joseph was, they were stunned. The Bible says they were grieved. They didn't know what to do. They were silent. They, they, they were in shock. What does this mean for us? Because we're the ones that sold him into captivity. And so Joseph had to tell them, and I think it's uh, Genesis 45, if you want to read it when you go home. He says, don't, uh, he says, don't be afraid because you haven't done this. God has done this. And it's been for a purpose, for the saving of life. Certain events had to happen in order for me to come to my position and to be able to uh, be here to gather food so that you might come and be fed. All of this that has happened is for a purpose. And Brother Branham likens that in Feast of the Trumpets and recognizing your day in his message as a type of the Jews in the millennium time. I'm not going to go into the details of it. But I want to go into one aspect of it. And that's this aspect. Don't weep. Don't cry. There's many times Brother Branham is in a service, like in 1957 in Phoenix, and he says, just a moment, that little lady sitting there praying and weeping with a little red coat on, sitting there with your hands up over you, don't weep no more. You've been having spells of passing out and collapsing like, if that's right, raise up your hands. That's right. Then he says, that's over now. Hallelujah. She's sitting there. She's weeping. But the recognition that the healer was in the room came to her. And Brother Ram says, don't cry no more. It's over now. 19, same year in Edmonton, Canada. He says, somebody right in there, I didn't get just who it was with their heart trouble sitting right there in the balcony, right in this direction here. He says, what do you think about it, brother? Would you accept your healing? Believe that the Lord Jesus makes you well. If you'll believe it, you can have it also. God bless you, he says, don't weep. He's looking up in the balcony. He says, God bless you, don't weep. Unless you're just rejoicing. Hallelujah. He says, go on your road now and be made well for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Don't weep because the healer's here. Don't weep because the reality of the atonement is coming to you. Don't weep because you're finding out the purpose in all of this. Don't weep, he says. In, in, In 1961, he says, back in this section, I see a young lady... He says, she's praying for the salvation of her father. Believe it, young lady. You will receive it. Don't weep. Just believe. 
Amen. So they were, they were being given something for their weeping. Something for their mourning. They had something in their lot that they were mourning because of it. But, but the, the crying, if I can say it that way, or the weeping or the heaviness or the mourning can only stop once the greater purpose is made known. Amen. There's many things in life that if you, if you don't understand that it's already paid for, if you don't understand that it's already finished, it's already over. If you're just walking every day, I have this need and I wish God would, would meet my need. I just wish God would lift me up. I, I wish God would do something for you. And it's not revealed to you that he's already done it. There can be a lot of weeping. But when the revelation of the word comes by your way and shows you it's a finished work and something inside of you says amen to the word of God, it's already done, then the weeping has to cease. Why am I crying if it's a finished work? Why am I sorrowful if it's a finished work? Why am I mourning if it's a finished work? Amen. We all got unsaved loved ones. I love to weep over them as much as you do. But there comes a time you have to realize, Lord, you said to claim them. Lord, you said it's mine. I am not going to cry over them. I am going to walk in the faith of a finished work. It's an atonement that's already been paid. And they are mine by the grace of Jesus Christ. Cry over them? Sorry. Can't cry over them. Because they're going to be there. Why would I cry if they're going to be there? Hello? Why would I cry if they're going to be there? Man, most of you know my family. I got some children that need to get right with God. All right? But I'm not going to cry for them. Because they're going to be there. They're going to come in. They're going to make it. Not because I'm their dad. But because I believe they're a child of God. I believe God has chosen them before the foundation of the world. I believe that's why God gave them to me. That's why I raised them the way I raised them. That's why the word is already sold in there. And one day, in a moment, God's going to come by their way. And it's not going to be dad. I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be the almighty God that says this atonement is for you. Hallelujah. This atonement that pays the price of everything is yours also. It doesn't just belong to your dad or your mom or your aunt or your uncle or whatever it might be. It's your atonement. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can't weep over your sickness when the healer's present. You just can't do it. It's already finished work when it's revealed to you. Amen. And that's why John, on the, in the book of Revelation chapter 5, you know the scripture, we quote it many times. The angel says to John, one of the elders rather says to John, weep not. John's weeping. Why is he weeping, Brother Bram says? Because if that book can't be redeemed, everybody's lost. If that's, those seals cannot be opened, then everybody's lost. Because in that book is the name of every predestinated seed of God. And if, and if nobody can step forward and claim that book, then we're all lost. And John is weeping because his name was on the book. And he needed redemption just like everybody else. And he couldn't do it in himself. He needed a kinsman redeemer. You needed a kinsman redeemer. But God provided a kinsman redeemer. And the elder said, weep not, John. 
Hallelujah. Quit crying, John, because you don't see the big picture. The lion of the tribe of Judah has already prevailed to loose the seals. Hallelujah. To open the book, to reveal the mysteries, to make known the purpose of God, to show you who you are, to show you that you're more than conquerors, to show you by his stripes you're healed, to show you that everything you have need of is already provided 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ. I say, oh God, just pour out revelation today. Just open our hearts and pour in revelation. It's already yours. And it's supernatural. It's not natural. You can't get it by your own understanding. It's got to be God drop that into your heart. We're living in this great day. The day of the vengeance of God. The day that he has appointed vengeance for the world. But a garment for the elect. A garment of praise. And I'll say a garment for a wedding. And this wedding garment is the only thing that can stop the wrath of God. Now I'm going to get zeroed right in here before we maybe talk a little bit about Uganda. This is the only garment that can stop the wrath of God in this hour. Just like when Israel was in Egypt. He says, you got to apply the token. He says, or the death angel will come into your home and take the firstborn. They had to have the token applied. This garment must be worn in this hour. Because we're coming, as Brother Branham said in the church ages, we have come to the time of Mount Zion showdown. What is Mount Zion? I already said, it's the bride. But if you're bride, then you must have on the wedding garment. Because only by wearing the wedding garment does God recognize you as bride. There's no other way to be bride than to have the bride garment. Let us be glad and rejoice for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. There must be a wedding garment, all right? The garment of praise, if I can just say this. You know, Revelation chapter 3, we know in the end time, one of the things that God admonishes to this Laodicean age, he says, you say you're rich, increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. You're without a covering. You're, you're, you're without protection. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. As Brother Branham said many places, he says, it's not that they were naked, just that they were naked. If a man's naked and knows he's naked, he'll do something about it. It's that they were naked and didn't know it. They were not aware that they were naked. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I have to go quickly now. Are you still with me? All right, hang with me just for a few moments here as we try to pick up to Michael's speed here. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. All right? For we grow, in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house from heaven. Alright, so he's talking about this earthly tabernacle, that tabernacle. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Alright, what nakedness is that if we lay aside this earthly tabernacle and we don't have a heavenly tabernacle, then your spirit and your soul is exposed. 
Right? You've got nothing in which to dwell. You're, you cannot be connected to that realm because this body contacts this realm by the senses that this body has. See, you taste, feel, smell in here. Is that right? So in this body, your soul and your spirit contact this realm. With me so far? All right? Now, in that realm, it's a word body that contacts a word realm. So if you don't have a word body, how are you going to contact the word realm? It's not that you say, well, my soul and my spirit goes off somewhere and I'm saved. No, you need to get into a body. You need to be clothed upon so that when you're dwelling in that realm, you're not in some kind of, and I'll just say it, regions of the lost. But you've stepped into a word body to live in a word realm. For if we do not have a theophany, how could we hear from our theophany? If we do not have a theophany, we'd have nothing to step into. But God has ordained. We have a body eternal in the heavens. All right. For he says, for this, we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened. All right. Here we go now. Not that we would be unclothed. That is to say, not just to get out of this body. Not just to get here. Now, he says, but be clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Okay. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, we shall not all sleep, but I'll show you a mystery. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality or life. And so our desire is not just to get rid of these sinful bodies, these bodies that trouble us, these bodies that trip us up, these bodies that try to lead us in the wrong direction, these bodies that cause us to make mistakes, this sinful nature in this unredeemed body. It's not just a matter, oh, I just want to get rid of this body. No, I want to put on the clothes of a heavenly body. I want to put on a garment. Amen. I want to put on righteousness. Amen. My soul, my spirit, and my flesh clothed in his righteousness. All right, a little bit further. The rich young ruler tried to make a place of comfort for himself at the end of his life. That's what he tried to do. Came to Jesus, said, what must I do? Jesus said, go sell all that you have, give it to the poor, come and take up your cross and follow me, and you'll have eternal life. And he wanted eternal life. And, and he went away sad. Why? Because he had many possessions. Is that right? So the second phase of, of the parable is in Luke 12. And it says, and he, he, and he said, this I do. He's got so much money now. This will I do. I will pull down my barns, build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him. There's another, but God. But God said unto him. Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. But he doesn't stop there. He says, then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? She thought, well, I've made my retirement planning. I've got my retirement accounts. I've got my RSP or my 401k or whatever it is in the States. And, you know, I've got all of these things laid up now. So when I retire, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I got my... I all arranged around me for protection and I, I'm going to be okay no matter what the economy does. And I've, I've got diversified and I got all of these things now and this is all good. And he doesn't realize he's naked. 
he has no protection. Because God says, no, it's over. Thy soul now will be required of you. And it doesn't matter what these things are that you tried to clothe yourself with. You see, saints, it's all good to lay up for the future. That's all right. It's all good to lay up for your family. That's perfectly good. It's usually where it goes to anyway. It's all good to try and have a good retirement and those kind of things. But that's not the garment you want. The garment you want is to be clothed in the wedding garment of His righteousness. You know, there's even a great movement in the day that we're living in of health and exercise and working out. You can tell I do it, I'm sure. But, you know, try and gain this great body, you know, strength and muscles and be this great athletic person. The older you get, you realize it's a, it's a pipe dream. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, as you go along, you realize that's, that's not the place for it. But that's where the age we're living in. You know, I want to be the epitome of health. Eat right, vitamins, minerals, healthy food, right kind of diet, right kind of sleep. They got all kinds of eons of advice on the internet. They even tell you how to drink your coffee. Nothing worse than that. You know, how to, how to, you know, what time to get up in the morning. How much to have for breakfast, how much to have for lunch, how much to have for supper, all these kind of things. So that you can have this body that gets older and weaker, no matter who you are. And you young men that like to work out, I don't know which ones you are, because most of you are wearing suit jackets now, and I can't really tell if you're working out at all. But those of you that like to do that, there's many young men your age that will drop dead tomorrow. Many of them. And then where is it? They were naked and they didn't realize it. They had no body to be clothed upon with. An eternal body. And the things that they tried to do for themselves in this life just becomes worth nothing all of a sudden. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Amen. That's where I want to be. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. A garment is not one of choice. You don't get to choose what it looks like. It reflects his comeliness. You don't get to choose what it's made of. It's made of His Word. And when His bride stands before Him, it will be in the beauty of His holiness. Amen. Amen. Because God is clothing a bride. All right, I'm coming now to the next part of the service. You know, Brother Branham talks about clothing the bride of Jesus Christ. I'll say the garment of praise, which I don't have... We always say, we don't have time to do this direction. We don't have time to go that direction. We're, we're such poor preachers. I'm just such a poor preacher that, you know, it's always complaining about time. Well, let's redeem the time that we have. You know, the Brother Ram talks about getting the bride to stand still long enough to be clothed with the Word. 
He says, he said, we count members, good dress, well payers instead of character. He says, Eliezer sweated it out until he found character. He will look for character that's willing. Watch, good character first, then get her ready to meet Isaac. So notice that now. Good character first, then get her ready to meet Isaac. Okay, there's a readiness found here. After he found the character, then get her stand still long enough to listen to his message of Isaac. Same message. He says, that's the messenger of the last days, the evening light. is first find that church where they will believe the message. Hunt it. Can you read what I'm talking about? Hunt where that church is that'll even let you come in that won't close the door in your face. And then when you do get there, then you found character. And if she'll stand still long enough to tell her how the bride's got to be dressed, she's got to be clothed. Amen. So it's not just a matter of finding an open door and walking through. He says, but now that they've let you in the door, that's the right character. He says, then make sure she'll stand still long enough to clothe her with the message of the hour. All right. Now, now, Brother Branham, it's interestingly enough. He said he talks about the preview of the bride. Uh, And uh, in this preview that God gives him of the bride, he sees the bride of every age come marching before the preview stand. And and they're marching out of every age and displaying the glory of Jesus Christ. But then it's announced, he says, that, that there now will come before you the end time church. And he says, if I've ever seen a bunch of filthiness. He says, if I've ever seen such vulgar, he says, she walks by the preview. He says, she's holding something in front of her. But when she passes by from the back, she's completely naked. What's missing? The garment. The end time church, he says, dancing to the beat of rock and roll. And they, they make it all kinds of movements, vulgar movements, he says. In other words, what he's, now I just want to say it this way. She didn't think she was naked. Catch this now. She didn't think she was naked or she wouldn't have done that. She thought she was clothed. She thought that the way she was looking at the world, that's why I pity people that leave the message. She thought that, well, you know, ah, this is the way I believe it is just the way it ought to be. And this is the way, not realizing they're in the sight of God, they're completely naked. And Brother Branham was just disgusted. And he just says, oh God, if that's all we've been able to accomplish, then Lord, I, I, we're just completely undone as ministers. He says, but now will come the preview of the bride. Hallelujah. Now will come the preview of the bride. Now remember, Brother Branham, in uh, in different places, and 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 in one particular place, he says, he says, I'm trusting him someday. This is in the message, uh, present stage of my ministry. I'm trusting in him someday. I don't know when for a crowning of my ministry. I'll just stay as true as I could be. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know when it'll be. But when he's ready, I am. And look, I hope he'll crown my ministry with this, of letting me take the clothes of the word and dress the bride in the clothes of the word and for his righteousness. Amen. So Brother Adams declaring, he says, I want to clothe the bride in the wedding garment. I want to make sure she's clothed 
properly to go and meet her bridegroom. Stand still long enough and stay there until she's completely clothed in the word of God. So now he's in the message of the, or in the dream or vision. I can't, I was going to look it up so I was sure, but I'm, I'm still, it's a dream or vision. And he, as he's standing there now, and he's watching this bride go by, the end, the end time church go by, but now the bride goes by. Now catch what he says. Now she comes by, and he says, I'll read it the way he said it, so that you don't think I'm making this up. He says, then all at once I heard them coming. Coming upon this side come the same bride that went around this way. Amen. Original bride, end time bride. He says, here come them ladies again. Each one was dressed in their national garb where they came from. That smote me when I read that a couple weeks ago. I said, but I thought their garb was the word. But the word must be in their own language. He says the garments they were dressed in was their own national garments. He didn't say their appearance was from every nation or their hairstyle was from their own nation. He says the garments they were wearing was from their own nations. So the wedding garment of each nation must be in their own language. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So when you're translating, Brother Kobus, I don't think he's here today. He's probably listening. He labors to help people in artificial intelligence to work with it to do translation. And we do that on the, on the message hub and the different works that we do on the message hub. I'll tell you what, what are you doing by translating? You're putting the garments, you're sewing the garments into their national attire. The French must have their French garments. The Spanish must have their Spanish garments. Amen. The Ugandans must have their Lugandan garments. Amen. The Dutch must have their Dutch garments. Are you with me? The Germans must have their German garments. It's a prophecy. They must have the garments in their own language. And so when we stand here today and say our emphasis is to translate the message into their language, is to fulfill the, gar- the prophecy of the word of the hour. It's not just, well, you know, they deserve it. No, they need it to be clothed in the wedding garment of the Word of God. Start me the slideshow, please. Put the first slide up there. Here's some brothers. I'm going to start right here. These are five brothers from a northern region in Uganda called Karamuja. The brother on the extreme right, he couldn't read English. Matter of fact, most of the people in Karamuja can't read English. These are five brothers that happen to be able now to read English for various, by various means. I was having a, a translator meeting in Kampala with the translators in Luganda and Ateso. And so we were going over some of the current issues and making sure everybody understood where we were going. And uh, one of the Atesso brothers that translates knew one of these brothers. And so they heard that I was going to be in Kampala 
and trans and talked to translators and they said can we come and meet with you and the message was relayed to me i said sure i says come on and we'll have a meeting and so they came and and they they wanted to represent their case they're from a, a region of northern uganda that is one of the most priv- primitive regions in all of africa matter of fact in the in the talk about natural type of spiritual it, up until a couple decades ago most of the people didn't even wear clothes it was that primitive and it's a lawless country of cattle rustlers and and places where uh you know they they just the authorities really don't know what to do it's just so much lawlessness in the area and these brothers came and told me the story of how the message got to their region so in 1980 early 1980s when the message came into uganda there was a young man, a, almost a boy, that was a cattle herder in our region that went to the Atesso region to help herd cattle. While he was there, he heard the message of the hour and became converted and served God. His name was John Mark. And he, being converted after a few years in 1988, he says, I must go back and take this message to my people. And so he, he left the Atesso region, which you'll see in the map. It actually shows it on the map. But the, the Lugandan region is in the, in the south. And then you have the Atesso region. And then you have the, the Karamuja region, which is in the northern area, almost right next to Sudan. And so uh, he said, I must take my, this message back to my people. And through his efforts and God's blessing on his efforts, there is now 6,000 believers in the Karamuja region. It is the largest Protestant group in that region. And they came to me and this was, their, this was their request. Brother Tim, would you help us translate? We don't have a single message book in our language. I almost died. I almost died when I heard that. They got 6,000 believers. Not a single message book in their language. Very few English-speaking people. And as a matter of fact, 75% of the believers are illiterate. And so even getting message into print isn't going to do it, Brother Timothy. It's going to take audio translation as well. And as they're sitting there, I, I said to them, I said, well, how many people speak English? They said, well, not many more than us five here. Just maybe some ministers and, you know, that's about it. And, and I said, well, so I asked him, well, how did you learn to speak English? And the brother on the, on the far right, his name is, um, if I can rightly pronounce it here, rightly get the right one. This is Brother Alex. He has a church of about 120 or more people. Brother Alex says, I couldn't read English, but I knew if I didn't read English, I could never really receive God's message. Because there was no nothing in my language. He says, I, I fasted and prayed. I went out into the bush for five days. I think it was five days or three days or whatever it was. And he says, I, I sought God. He says, and I, I, I could read very few English words. He says, and I fell asleep and I had a dream. And God told me in the dream, all right, go read your Bible. He says, I woke up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, I can read English. 
Hallelujah. God opened his understanding. But he knew that all his people didn't have that kind of faith. They needed the message. You know, they needed the word of God. And I, I said, I said to the brothers, I said, well, uh, I says, I'll give you my commitment. If I can do it, I will help you. And we will get a translation team together. And I think I'm looking at the translation team, actually. I says, we'll get a translation team together and we'll get this message into your language. And I says, we'll move as fast as we can then to get it into the, the audio so that your people can listen to the message who are illiterate. You know what it takes to translate this message? We've got actually a, uh, a section of messages that we want translated first before all others, 227 titles and, and we ask the translators to translate those messages. And we like to put a team together that can do 10 translations a month. Because if you can do 10 a month, you can get those 227 done in two years. And that's phenomenal. And that takes, for these people, we pay them $150 a message to help them to translate full time. So they don't have to work and translate, which slows things down. And so based on that, you know the price tag. If we do 10 a month, that's $1,500 a month to get the message into their language. Or if we say total to get those 227 messages done, roughly $35,000. That's what it takes to get a message into a language. $35,000. I want to talk like Brother Harold now. The good news is we have the money. The bad news is it's in your pocket. Praise the Lord. <laughs> that was Brother Harold's famous line, taking up an offering in Edmonton. Pray. I, the reason, I'm not a puller for money, and we're not going to take up an offering. But the offering box is open. And pray that God will put the burden on somebody to help this bride that needs to be clothed with the word for the rapture. Can you say amen to that? That's the bride that we're interested in clothing. Not with our ideas, but to put the message into their language. There's a lot of things about this region that I maybe couldn't even share with you. But all I can say is, God dropped a burden on this heart and said, If there's any way possible, I'm going to get the message into this Karamuja language. So that they can receive it. And they too can be clothed with the word of God like me. You say amen to that? All right. Believe with me, won't you? So let me just, uh, I'm trying to operate this, but it's not really working. Let's just talk about Uganda for a minute. Talk about this trip. So here's the country of Uganda. There you can actually see the Teso region, the Karamuja region up on the north by between near Sudan and Kenya. And uh, this is the country that Brother Michael and I flew into October 31st. Is that when we started? Something like that. November 1st, October 31st. Here's the team. These are phenomenal brothers. Uh, I like to say all of them. <laughs> but these are great brothers. Uh, obviously, I'm the tallest one there. You know who that is. But on my right, on your left, is Brother Fred. Next to Brother Michael. Brother Fred Chienji. And his son on the far left is Brother Moses. And then on my left, or your right, is Brother Stephen Abali. Brother Don Julius, who helps also Brother Fred Chienji, and Brother James Katumba, 
who is associate pastor with Brother Stephen and Bally. Just wonderful, lovely brothers that are uh, really, really doing the work of the Lord in that country, and we thank God for them. So we came into the country on the Friday night. I won't go into all of the boring details of getting in during COVID. And we Saturday, uh, Brother Bustabozi took us from Entebbe all the way up to Iganga, where Brother Stephen is, so that we could begin the first meetings the next day, which were Sunday in uh, Jinja. And here's Brother Michael, first time speaking through a translator. It was quite interesting, actually. And he did a good job. You know, I'll give credit where credit is due. The people of Uganda appreciated Brother Michael's ministry. They really enjoyed it. They really enjoyed him. And, you know, Brother Branham said, excuse me, Brother Michael, but Brother Branham said, you know, uh, when somebody was, when somebody said to him, you know, Brother Branham, I really enjoyed that message. And some other preacher said, oh, you know, I don't want people to brag on me. And Brother Branham says, the difference between me and you is I'm honest. I like people to brag on me. So this young man did a good job and the people enjoyed his ministry and we appreciate him being there. He was a blessing amongst the bride. I took the one service that day and he took the evening and so we thank God for that. I'm just going to press right on through. After that, after Sunday, we I think Monday we had a meeting with the team that you saw first of all. And then Tuesday we went different ways. Michael is represented in the green. I'm represented in the red here. Michael went north. I went south. We each had two meetings to preach that day. And, and the Lord just began to open uh, service, open the word for the people. This is Brother Elijah Diogo, the sockless brother. And this is his church in Uganda now. Probably could seat 600 people. The Lord is using this man mightily. He's got a great outreach ministry. He's got a great grasp on the word of God. A very humble brother. And the Lord has blessed him to help him to build his structure. It's not finished. He's got, he's got at least closed in as far as security goes. But he needs to put some other things on it. And God is blessing him there and using him mightily in that region there. This is the place that Brother Michael went to, Brother Roger's place. Uh, what's the name of the town? Do you remember? No. Uh, Nakalama. Thank you. And uh, up in a little bit north of town. And so Brother Michael uh, preached there two services. I heard they had a wonderful time. And he can share anything that he wants to on that. All right, I'm going to quickly go through here. The next day, uh, Brother Michael is represented in green as he grows up to Calero to preach. Uh, two services? Two services in Calero while I traveled around visiting structures. And I told Brother Michael, he says, I says, tomorrow they're taking you up to Calero and you're going to preach. He says, are you taking one of the services? I says, no, I won't be preaching tomorrow. I says, uh, the Lord bless you. <laughs> you should have seen the look on his face. But actually, I'm not sure who got the better job, to tell you the truth, because I was all over the place. These are the five locations that I traveled to on roads that you don't want to travel on, if you can possibly avoid them. And and uh, But by God's grace, we went there because we were looking at some of these structures that the people had provided to build for these peoples, these congregations that had been left out uh, from... Uh, the denominations kicked out of their churches, left, uh, you could say, homeless in many ways, spiritually speaking. And and we came across things like this. These are the pews in one of the churches. This is Brother David's church, and he has a um, uh, he has a 
congregation of about, I think, 180 people. These are their benches. It might have been 140 people. And so, because I think they sit four or five on a bench. And I said, how many people sit on the floor? He says, about 50. And I said, you know, did a quick calculation. Okay, so you need 10 benches. I says, how many, how much is it to get a bench? They're very rudimentary. And he gave me the price. And so I gave them, it's like five or $10 per bench. And I gave him enough money to buy 10 more benches to get his people off the floor. Wouldn't it be nice if we could get benches for five or $10? I guess we could if they look like this. Would you all be okay with that? <laughs> God bless you, buddy. <laughs> that's my grandson, by the way. <laughs> he said, no, that's, that's not good enough. And they sit for hours on these benches. I hope you're comfortable. Everybody comfortable? Amen. Enjoying that air conditioning we got going for you right now? Praise the Lord. This is what they're doing in Africa. 30 degrees, no air conditioning in a tin building with the sun beating down on it. Trying to get some air movement through it. But they love the Lord. You saw the video on Wednesday night. They love to worship God. They love to respond to the word. They love everything about the message, what the message has given them. And, and we just praise God for those people there. I better press on. So then on the, the next day, Brother Michael headed down to Kampala and I headed up into an, a northern area. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place right now. Not really important, but for more meetings. And, uh, and then we, uh, on the next day, uh, Brother Michael went up to, I'm sorry, I didn't make good notes on all this, but he went up to hmm? Kayunga or Kaliro? Kaliro, okay. He went up to Kaliro in, this is not Kaliro in Luwero region, this is another Kaliro, and he went there to preach. I said, we'll meet you there. And so uh, he preached and I met him there. And uh, he did a good job. We had a wonderful time. And, and again, as you can see, visiting many of the buildings along the way there. And so here's Brother Michael up in Calero, enjoying himself ministering to the people that are even gathered outside. And some of the churches that I visited along the way as I was headed up to meet him there at the church after his meeting there. And then Michael joined me in visiting some of these churches as well. And these are people that are just thrilled to receive the support of the believers here for their congregations there. We ended up at this place at the end of the day totally exhausted. After that place, we stopped one more place. This is Brother Don Julius's church. Brother Don is a real soldier. He had about a thousand people when he came into the message, dropped to about 400 and that filtered down to about 250 people. So he's got about 250 people in his church. The people in that region don't like the message very much. They tried to burn his church down. And there you can see some of the burn marks there on some of the logs. There's much more than that. But God stopped the fire. And the building didn't burn down. But he does need to structurally, of course, replace the burnt places and... and uh, I think it's going to cost about $7,500 to rebuild the structure of that building. He's got a nice tin structure, quite large, and uh, seats lots of people, but he's unable to uh, fund the building 
He's got lots of people, but he still has no resources. So pray for him that God will provide those needs. Now, I'm going to move forward because really I want to, I want to major on three stories here. Okay. Are you still with me? Is this okay? Okay. The next day we, we went, or M- Michael went home and, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry. This is before he went home. This is the first meeting up in Luero. So this last, M- Michael's last Sunday, we're supposed to take two services up in Luero. I was going to actually take one this time and, uh, brother Michael is going to preach one. And so, uh, we went up in this, by this route. Doesn't look like it's that far when you look on a map, but this is four hours of travel. So from Kampala, Sunday morning, we get in a vehicle on a day that's supposed to be lighter traffic and travel four hours. I know some of you understand what that means in Uganda. And so we went up to Luero, which put us late. We actually stopped first at this place. And this is in the town of... um, uh, Sorry, I just don't have it in front of me. I'll get it in a moment. But these people had... This is where they were gathering. That's why we took this picture. This was their place of worship. This is a jackfruit tree. And this is where they worshipped. But by God's grace, same property, this is now where they worship. And so we're thankful for that. That we were able, with the help of believers, we went in the building. And what was the pastor doing while he was waiting for us? Studying the church age book. Has a little marker out there. There's the Luganda church age book in the pew and... And he was sitting there waiting for us, studying his church age book so that, you know, he just wants to feed on the word of God. And I say, God bless him for that. Stay in the word. And, and so he uh, did that. And here we are. We did this often when we stopped in a building. We just stopped and, and had a word of prayer with them. The pastor is there in the, in the lighter colored jacket. And we had a word of prayer. But we were heading up into Luero to come to this brother's church who is Brother Aruna. This is in a town called Chiamponlogomum, uh, or something like that. And uh, this man is a very influential man in that region that God has just brought this church into the message. Matter of fact, most of his church here, 380 people, were baptized not even a month before we got there. Okay, so, so God, these are just new, new believers. And God has gripped this pastor's heart. And he actually himself has, they call them a lot of times there, the Pentecostals, they call them bishops because they have many churches. And so it's almost like a Catholic type setup. And they, this fellow, they said, has hundreds of churches that he is a bishop over. But God has got a hold of his heart. And I want to say it this way. He realized he was naked. He had served God, he had preached the word, he had taught the Trinity, he had, he had done what he knew how to do, but when the truth came by his way, he realized to turn down the truth would leave him with no standing before God. And you'll actually, uh, you can actually listen to his own testimony on the podcast that we just released today. If you get the podcast, you'll hear him talking. There was, we, though we were limited to uh, 200 people in any gathering, according to the government restrictions, uh, we estimated that there was close to 500 in this particular meeting. 
about 200 or more inside and about the same amount outside. And so uh, uh, we just had a wonderful meeting, and, uh, and he's just really, really on fire for the Word of God. But because we were so late, we had to combine it into one meeting. And so uh, we just had the one service, and it was tremendous. And God just poured out His blessings upon them. Uh, we felt very comfortable with the numbers of people because in the meeting was the mayor, the council, one of the town councilors, and several police officers. And so we felt like we were okay. If they were fine with it, we were fine with it. And, and God really ministered to them. And, and this was what the town counselor here that greeted the people at the beginning of the service. And he came up to me after the service and said, and wanted to talk to me personally. He says, I want you to know, I have been a Christian for 20 years. And I have never heard the word of God preached like that. I say, praise be to God. And, and I thought... God can save anybody. You know, Brother Bram talked about godly politicians. And, they, and we certainly thank God for them, even though they are very few and far between. But, uh, you know, if, if God can save a politician, that's wonderful. And so he, he made an appointment with Brother Fred to talk about water baptism and, and the message of the hour. And so we thank God for that. And then we, we, we just appreciated what God did in that meeting. You, you can kind of tell here that the sun is shining on the pulpit from behind. You can see it reflecting off my head there. and It's actually shining on the pulpit. And I didn't realize that iPads overheat. And so I'm about 20 minutes in and my iPad comes up with a message. Uh, iPad has shut down due to overheating, which is where my notes were. And I thought, well, praise God. God doesn't want me to use notes today. And so we just went on preaching for another hour and God just began to sweep through those people and they were just rejoicing in the word of God. And we just had a wonderful, wonderful time in the presence of the Lord there. And may God pour out his spirit amongst these people. These are new believers. These are people that have only received the message in the last month. I say praise be to God. The brother said there's probably a hundred more people in his church need to be baptized right now. And, God, and, that, and actually, as we talk to the brothers, there's hundreds, even thousands of people around Uganda. And they're asking me, Brother Tim, could we have some more expense money? Because we need to get out into these outlying regions and get these people baptized. Because there just, there just is no other way to do it. And, and there's churches and hundreds and even thousands of people still waiting to be baptized in Uganda. I say praise be to God. This is his compound, Brother Runa. He has a very good uh, very good foundation for his ministry there, and, and may God bless him and use him for the kingdom of God. Uh, so Brother Michael went home, and then I drove eight hours over to this, the town of Kasisi in the west of Uganda, where Brother James Navanabandi is. If you remember, he was with us here a couple years ago. And uh, this is a new church that has come into the message there, Pentecostal Church, come in in the last year, ministered there, and uh, had, we drove all day Monday, had two services on Tuesday, and then drove all the way back Wednesday to Kampala for a Wednesday night service in Brother Basabozi's church so that, uh, you know, we could minister with him just a little bit. He started to work there in Kampala. And he also runs the office for us. And you can see Brother Michael already talked about the books and everything that was there. Uh, you can see the, the books that we supply there. On the right, 
Most of the books there are books that we print in Uganda, the books that are labeled end time message. On the left, the books that are not really labeled any, or the boxes, sorry, that are not really labeled anything are things like church age books and Bibles and things that are printed in China. And so we're, we're getting down on our supplies there. I told the brothers, because we probably have about a thousand Bibles left, though we probably need 10,000. The pastors everywhere I went said, can we please have Bibles? Our people don't have Bibles. And so that was very much a burden. So I promised them, by God's grace, within the next year, we will print 10,000 Bibles, 10,000 more church age books, 10,000 Hebrew series books, and also get more MP3 players, which the minister says have been very effective in enabling people to listen to the message of the hour in the Luganda language. So by God's grace, we're going to do that as the Lord provides. So we went from there back to Kampala, and uh, or we were in Kampala, had a minister's meeting there on the Friday. These are all ministers that are new to the message. All right. These are the ones I was talking about earlier. They're all sitting there. Excuse me, sitting there. Many of them have come in. They had several of the brothers stand up and testify while I was there. And it was just phenomenal to hear their stories of how the message gripped them. They lost churches. Some of them lost dozens of churches. Some of them uh, lost everything that they had. But they said, you know, we're standing with the message of the hour. Praise be to God. Pray for these brothers. This is a tremendous work that's going on over there. I'm sorry I'm rushing. So we went then from there up into the Luero area to another area on the last Sunday uh, to meet with Brother Stuart there, Stuart Kalili, up in the town of Ngogolo. And uh, this is Brother Stuart giving his testimony at the uh, minister's meetings. He is a man on fire for God. Did you meet Brother Stuart? You didn't? Oh. He is on fire with this message. Everywhere we went, he was there. And he's got a a church and a ministry up where he is. And again, about a three-hour drive to get to his church and and then another three hours to go home. And as Brother Michael mentioned, even after we got home, the brothers that were driving us had another two or three hours to get home to where they were. But this brother, he doesn't even have shoes because he's been in a car accident, so he's just wearing sandals. He can't even fit into a pair of shoes. But he loves this word. And this brother and the other uh, brother, Aruna, you'll hear both of them testify on the podcast that we just released today. And it'd be well worth you to listen to their testimonies. But he would be just before we left here, uh, brother Fred sent me a brief video clip of his church. He's got a nice church, solid church. But he says a storm went through and took out the roof. And I was thinking about it. I didn't really say anything to Brother Fred of changing plans. And I, but I was, as I was thinking about it and praying about it here at home just before we left, I thought, Lord, don't let him change the meeting. Let's have a meeting there anyway. Because it's just the devil trying to stop us. This church has only been in the message about 10 months. And, and I thought, Lord, let us go there and encourage the people and preach the Word of God for them. So we did, and they were just thrilled and we were blessed. So, And I told them, I says, I'll tell the people and we'll see if God puts it on somebody's heart to help you with the roof 
for your church. And so there's a number of needs that I'll share with you. Um, as I said, printing, uh, probably about $100,000 worth of printing, not including the daily printing that we do in Angola and, and, and Uganda and Ethiopia and different places. And so those are things that we're going to be doing this coming. I'd like to do it in the next six months. Um, buildings. We have a brother that has stepped forward to fund some buildings of churches. And so it's not really a need, but I just thought I'd share it with you. We anticipate that we will build three churches every month where our target is to build 35 to 40 in the next year. And so we're, we're thrilled and, and they're thrilled about that. And, and I thank God for people that have seen the needs in Uganda and have stepped forward and says, brother Tim, this is what I want to do. And so God bless each and every one that gives. Translation, as I already mentioned, $1,500 monthly per language, or to get a language from zero to a, a good amount of messages, 227 uh, in two years takes about $35,000 in a poor country. So that's, that's where we stand on translation. As I mentioned, repairs, um, the roof is going to take about $6,000. The structure is going to take $6,000. You might not have these money, this money. But you can pray that our Father will provide this money. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's able to do this? I, boy, it's quiet in here right now. This ain't Africa. If I, if I said to them, and they have nothing, okay? But if I said to them, I said, I believe God can provide the money for this roof. They came out of their seats. Praise the Lord. And they don't have a clue where it can come from. They don't have any idea. They're just like, praise God, that's our God. And you might not have any idea where it can come from, but I'll just say, that's our God. Amen? Is that our God? I believe God can provide for all of these needs according to His riches in glory. And God has a bride, and that bride is able to be used of God to clothe the bride of Jesus Christ in the garments of their language in these last days. Let's stand together. You have a baptism? All right. I don't know who's getting baptized, but whoever is, please make your way to be baptized this morning. It wasn't easy to go to Uganda. It wasn't easy to go to Uganda. There was a lot of roadblocks in the way when it comes to COVID and more roadblocks that were added uh, unexpectedly in the trip. But by God's grace, I believe we have a supernatural travel agent. When God says go, He takes care of the rest. And so, you know, there's always, you know, what if you test positive and what if this happens and what if that happens? There was... Uh, bombings in Uganda before we got there. There was bombings in the capital city after we left. There's, the, I think, the day or two after we left, or after I left, uh, one of the brothers rolled his vehicle, ended up in the hospital. Those are common occurrences. Wrecked his car, and uh, that's Brother Wilson Sempa over in Uganda, and he was seriously hurt, but he's he's okay. He's stable and and recovering. Uh, you know, sometimes you're going on a narrow road and you go around a corner and there's a large truck coming your direction. And there's no question as to who's going to hit the ditch. 
it's the small car. And so the brothers pull over and the brother pulled over. The incline was too steep and the vehicle went over. So pray for them there. It's not an easy life, but they love the same message you love. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? They love the word of God just like you love the word of God. And and so we, we just pray that the Lord will bless them abundantly. When your eyes become open to the truth, you realize you're standing naked before God. And that's what happened to these brothers. That's what happened to ministers who they have large works and they have to make a decision. If I accept this message, it's going to cost me. But they accepted it knowing that if I don't accept this message, I stand like the rich young ruler. That no matter how much I have in this world, I'm still naked in the sight of God. May God grant that we would help each and every member of the bride of Jesus Christ be clothed with the wedding garment of this end time message. Brother Branham says in birth pains, he says, the Bible said his wife has made herself ready at the end of the age. How did she make herself ready to becoming his wife? What kind of garment did she have on? His own word. She was dressed in his righteousness. Let's sing that song, As the deer panteth after the water. So my soul longeth after thee, O God. If you're a believer, can you think to that time where there was that insatiable thirst within you? It says, I must have the truth. You maybe didn't understand much about the message like I didn't understand much when I first came in. But something inside of me said, I must have this. That's what's happening everywhere I went in Uganda. Brother Michael can bear witness of that and testify that. Everywhere you go, there's people that say, I just love this message. I just love this truth. I, I, I was baptized. I couldn't wait to be baptized. And God was moving upon their hearts. But if you're an unbeliever today, here, out over the internet, and there's something burning within your heart for more of God, I'll tell you what, this message is what you need. There's someone going into the waters of baptism here in just a moment that has recognized that in their life. I think it's just a young person, isn't it? It's a young person that comes to that age of accountability that says, you know what? Something says, I need to be baptized. It's not good enough now just to go to church. It's not good enough now just to just to say, well, I believe the message. It's repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall be clothed in the garment of His Word. You shall receive the token. For it's to you and to your children and to them that are afar off. And, and to as many as our God shall call. As the deer pants, are you panting for him this morning? If you're just a, if you're a believer and you say, I'm just hungry for more of God, why don't you just raise up your hands and worship him as we sing it and say, Lord, I just want more of you. I just want more of your life. I want more of your truth. I want more revelation to guide me in my life. As the deer pants, 
Praise the Lord. Wonderful report, wonderful word. I think Brother Tim is um, caught, or what? my heart anyways, he ties the word into the, um, the message. And it means so much because it's word. And uh, you see the, the weaving in and out of it, and at the end it's a nice little bone package. It's beautiful, Brother Tim, thank you very much. It's a full day. We have a baby dedication this morning, preaching of the word. Missions report, baptism, how about rapture? Well, well, we might as well have a full day. I've been hearing from my theophany, and Brother Tim doesn't want to get to be 61. (laughs) It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And it's a wonderful thing to see what God does in the mission field. And as I text Michael when he was away, you're always in the will of God when you're in missions. You're always in the will of God. And then we must missionary in our own backyards. We must. Because we have to see the fruits also within a local assembly. And so how do you go out if you don't have it here? And here we have in the waters of baptism, Rhea Drake. And she is a lovely young lady. We understand that there's many tied in today for this special occasion from different places around the world. All the way over from Italy, I understand. So this is a, a wonderful, wonderful event, and every time I sit down with our young people and we speak, we want to take the time because it's their baptism, it, it's meaningful to them. And I know it is when there's a multitude, but at least when, this morning, Raya, we can direct some remarks to you. As we read in the book of Acts, and as, as God was unfolding the word, as we heard this morning, and as the word was unfolded, the word brings a... a, a a result, and that result is, what must I do? What meaneth this? What is what is happening again? What meaneth this? There must be a result from the word, and the word brought them to baptism. And here is a, a young lady since she was six. I understand, wanting to be baptized, and of course, being parents, we want to make sure that they understand what they're doing. And of course, persistence wins. Because when you feel God's dealing with you, you want to go forward. She said one service, and it's very applicable, Brother Tim, that you preached on what meaneth this to thee. What is this to thee? Remember that service? I do. And that really struck a young Raya's heart. And she then was persistent to be with mom and dad saying, I need to be baptized. So the Bible says here, that, and we read out of Romans 6 quite often regarding baptism. Paul goes on to say this, For if we are bap- or planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. So I thought for you, Rhea, I'd look up a certain word. Like if we're planted. Like planted. We so often go over the word and we wonder what does that planted mean. So I looked up the word planted. It means if you're planted with Christ, you are permanently united. And I thought that's pretty wonderful because all of us have been identified in this baptismal tank. And it's not that we just went down in the water, but God himself comes down and confirms the baptism 
And now we are permanently united with Jesus Christ. And I believe, Sister Rhea, as your desire is to be filled with God, as we talked in my office, if the baby doesn't get the breath, you can be, you can have all the five fingers you want and all the five toes and the nose. You said nose. And I said eyes. And you said mouth. You can have the full baby, but without the breath. It's still a stillborn baby. And you get that in Christianity. You got all the form of godliness, but no breath. And I don't want our dear sister just to get wet this morning. We want her permanently united with the Spirit of God. And may the dove descend, as it's been said in the scripture, I can baptize you with water, but there's one that cometh that can baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And I believe that Lord Jesus is here for you, Rhea. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. It is a wonderful event, Lord, in our lives of a family when one of our children are being moved by the word of the Lord. And Father, this lovely young lady is standing here in the waters wanting to be filled with God, not just to be wet, not just to go into the waters of baptism, but Lord, to be identified in your death, burial, and resurrection. And then, as Paul said, being planted in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that this union take place, that the dove descend, that Rhea's life, Lord, would reflect the glory and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fill her with the Holy Ghost. Let the Spirit descend and let the life of Christ emanate out of her, Lord, in the days ahead. May she be a witness of the grace of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, honey. So you just hold your wrist like that. That's it. Amen. Sister Rhea, by your confession that Jesus is your Savior, I baptize you in Christian baptism in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Sing that last verse to that song. I want you more than gold or silver. Is that your desire this morning? I want this wedding garment more than gold or silver. I want the Lord Jesus Christ to clothe me with himself. The living word of God made real to us. Let's stand together. We're going to just linger just for a moment because Brother Tom is going to join us. Brother Henry is going in for a procedure this week that's very serious. And he wants God's blessing on it. You know, God can use doctors. God can use music. God can use many different things to heal us. But he alone is the healer. So we're going to pray that God will guide the hand of the physicians and give wisdom. And I I think Brother Henry's testimony, as he told it to me the other day, he says, the doctor asked me that we would pray for him to give him wisdom in this procedure. I think that's a good doctor. That's like it makes a good politician to be someone that's seeking God, you know. They're they're not all a write-off out there. God still has souls that he's redeeming. And I pray as, as, Brother Henry, you can start to make your way down as we're waiting for Brother Tom, and we'll just sing until Brother Tom arrives. But, you know, we ought to sing that 
even amongst ourselves. You might have a career. You might have something that's going on in your life. I admonish you. Just lay it on the line this morning. And say, Lord, I want you more than anything. And I want you, Lord, to know that I want that. You might say, well, I, I know I believe that. No, I want. I think we should all just express that to God. Say, Lord, I want you more than gold or silver. You Only you can satisfy. You alone are the real joy giver. You're the apple of mine eye. Let's sing that together with all of our hearts now. I want
here. Amen. We'll just join with him, Brother Michael. Let's just bow our heads together as we all unite in prayer for Brother Henry.
waits for his faithful. Hallelujah. We offer in the garments of praise. We give you praise, oh God, for you have clothed us with it. Glory to your name. We exalt you, Lord. We magnify you. All that you have done. All that you have done in every life here. All that you have done in every life of the bride around the world. Great is thy redemptive work. Great is thy atonement providing for all that we have need of. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, we praise you. Glory to the name. Hallelujah. 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 Just one more song, if we could. It is well with my soul. When peace
grant you a wonderful day. May the word resonate within your heart all the day long. May God just bless you every moment of this day and in the week going forward. Let's just bow our heads together as we dismiss in prayer. Andrew, my son, why don't you come up? I have my son Andrew with me this weekend. Come and dismiss us in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's been so good to be in your house today. Just to sit, Lord, and listen. Lord, this isn't wine that you just drink as fast as you can, but to savor the taste of this revelation, Lord, is it's so sweet. It's so good, Lord. Father, we're so blessed, Lord, that we have what we have. That you've done in our lives what you've done, Lord, even this morning. A young girl, Lord, to give her heart. Thank you, Lord, what you did for Brother Henry on the cross. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord, knowing it's already done. Father, we just commit ourselves to you now. We want to invite you, Lord, as we leave this place and go out those doors. Come with us, Lord Jesus. We don't desire to leave you here and just come to church to see you. But, Lord, you're with us, even in us, to the end of the world. 
So, Father, we just give ourselves to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you.